Welcome to Maniacally Midwest, a true crime podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Maniacally Midwest. Um, This week, Chloe is going to be the one presenting, but we are happy that you're joining us again in this cold December if you're in the Midwest. And if you're not, screw you, because it's probably nice. So anyways, (laughs) Chloe. I checked this morning. The real feel at my house was negative 18 when I got up. So Okay, so basically when we switched states... We didn't have an agreement because we didn't know each other then. Well, when she moved back to Wisconsin, we did know each other. But the nice thing about Michigan compared to Wisconsin is I don't feel like it gets as bitterly cold as Wisconsin does. They get wicked wind chills during January. And I don't feel like Michigan is so bad, at least on this side. I don't know about Detroit, but I feel like you guys get more sun in Michigan, too. We get more sun, but the negative part of it is, is I feel like Michigan gets way more snow than I ever saw in Wisconsin. Like we get like effect snow and I didn't have that when we were in Wisconsin. So yeah, trade off. It is what it is. But anyways, Chloe, I will hand it on over to you. Yeah. So I found a case out of Michigan this week, which I'm pretty stoked about. Um, We're heading to Lake Orion, Michigan, which happens to be not too far from where I went to high school. It's maybe like 20 minutes away from Bloomfield Hills, which is where I like grew up half the time. Um, The east side of the state, right? It is. Yeah. So Lake Orion, it's a rural community. It's on the eastern side of the state, maybe like 45 minutes north of Detroit, Um, it's pretty small it's maybe around like 3,000 residents honestly like if I had to compare it to anything it's pretty similar to like Caledonia um, or you know some of those kind of like outlying Grand Rapids Mm. areas so like out in the country but not like super far out there right our story starts though uh, with a TV show taping in Chicago, which this brought me back because who forgot about all the shows that they used to tape in Chicago? Remember when Oprah was in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Jerry Springer used to be in Chicago. I went to the Jerry Springer show a few times as an audience member, to be clear, as an uh, audience Katie member. Was, yeah, no, she was on Jerry Springer <laughs> a few times. She had some people calling her up there. Because you could get free tickets. And I remember that was the thing once I was 18 and in college, I was like, oh, I got us free tickets to the Jerry Springer show. And then we'd like watch TV like the months after looking to see if we were like in the audience on any of the recordings. <laughs> I feel I like never... you were one of those super rowdy people. You're like, Jerry, Jerry. Well, like, but when you get there, there's like the area they sit they tell you instructions and they basically are like when this comes on you have to chant jerry and stuff there were some extra credit opportunities if you know what i mean yeah to get your beads or whatever you used to do right <laughs> yeah i never partook in that i, oh, no I would be too scared of repercussions of that behavior my mom would have beaten me, but no, I remember getting free tickets and I was so sad when I think you moved to Connecticut or something somewhere East coast. I was going to say everybody, I feel like moved to Stamford, Connecticut. 
but this is back in the glory days of TV when people were still taping in Chicago. Um, And this was the Jenny Jones show. So it was a talk show that ran from 1991 to 1997. Do you know what this is? I had never heard of this. I think I do. I'm almost positive I do because there was a Netflix documentary called Trial by Media. So unless there's two different things that happen. No, this is the story. It was on there. So Katie already knows the case, but we're going to talk about it anyways, because I have some personal ties and I got to give you the (laughs) gossip from my point of view. God. Um. So it was for those of you that don't know, like me, I was born in 93. Okay. So when she stopped taping, I was like four. So I had no idea what this lady was up to, but the Jenny Jones show was almost like a Maury or like Jerry Springer, like that type of thing. She would have people on to reveal paternity tests, uh, confront out of control teens and reveal secret crushes. Yeah. I feel like that was the era of like Jenny Jones selling Sally, Jesse, Raphael, like Ricky Lake. I wasn't allowed to watch any of those at that age, but I like knew I heard of those names then. So I feel like this is the stuff that comes on like right when you get off of school. It's in that like three o'clock time slot. I bet it was on WGN. Oh yeah, or TBS. Remember? Yes. Uh the good old days anyways so on march 6 1995 jenny jones taped an episode called same sex crushes um in which scott amateur a gay man confessed confessed to an acquaintance jonathan schmitz that he had a crush on him um scott a 32 year old unemployed gay man told the audience about a fantasy that involved Schmitz, some whipped cream, strawberries, and champagne. I didn't watch the clip, so I didn't see him go into details about that, um, but it sounds pretty sensual. So uh, 26-year-old Schmitz appeared like unconcerned. He kind of just like laughed it off, but he like you could tell he was a little bit embarrassed. Um, and just kind of like went along with it but he definitely stated like I'm heterosexual like I'm sorry I'm just not attracted to men which is fine I mean you can't uh, okay to be honest it could be he's uncomfortable because of the gay thing but like if someone invited me on a show and I'm heterosexual and they fit that guideline and they said that stuff to me and I wasn't interested I would be like, oh my God, this is really, imba-. actually, even if I like did like them, I feel like that setting, I would be like, this is awkward. Please don't talk anymore. <laughs> like, I honestly have no idea how I would react like in one of those situations. I don't know. Then again, I don't think that I would accept the invitation. It's not like you walked in the door of your house and they were like there with cameras. You went to the show for filming. I think to be fair, so they told um, Schmidt basically that somebody had like a secret crush on him. They didn't specify. They said it could be a man or a woman. He was under the impression that it was like a woman that was going to confess her love for him. And that's like, I feel like more rare for guys to have women approach them, especially in such like a public manner. So he was probably, you know. Yeah. Well, and so this also timing wise is not like it's kind of the tail end of like the AIDS 
mm-hmm. like situation where I don't think that like homosexuality was wouldn't say common because that's not the right word but like accepted maybe or that open I feel like it was just starting to really be more like mainstream and accepted you know what I mean I don't think yeah. it was as taboo which is I mean fabulous obviously right we're all for it um so that happened they had the interaction whatever they go home they're both from Lake Orion and three days after the taping on March 9th 1995 Schmitz received an anonymous sexually suggestive note on his doorstep and assumed it came from um Amador so Schmitz goes to the bank takes out some money and goes to the store and buys a 12-gauge shotgun. Oh, boy. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then goes over to Amador's mobile home. Uh, it's always going to end well when that's what you do. So he asks Amador if uh, he was the one that left the note, to which evidently Amador responded with a smile. And so Schmitz's response to that is he returns to his car that's parked out front of the mobile home, grabs a 12-gauge shotgun that he's just purchased, and goes back into the trailer to fire two shots at close range into Amateur's chest. Yeah. Uh, yikes. Then a few minutes later, Schmitz calls 911 from a payphone at a gas station and confesses. Basically, I listened to the whole 911 call. He's like, I think I just shot a guy. Like, I just walked into the room. I killed him. Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if they had that on the documentary thing. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So this yeah. is all like refreshing my memory. Every time you say something, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's right. Did he sound upset? I don't remember if I ever heard it. He sounded... I mean, once again, it's hard for me to get in this headspace. I feel like I would sound more upset if I just shot somebody, but he wasn't like super calm and collected. It was kind of like an in-between, like he wasn't just completely manic by any means. Mm-hmm. But so anyways, he does that. Obviously they come arrest him. Uh, Amateur is found you know dead on the scene uh schmitz is charged with first degree murder and committing a felony with a firearm to convict him of first degree murder they were going to have to prove that the murder was premeditated um if he was convicted of this schmitz would face life in prison without the possibility of parole but the jury was allowed to consider lesser charges such as second degree murder or manslaughter. I think it's important for people to realize because sometimes the juries are not allowed to add or reduce charges. Like when they set a certain parameter of first degree murder versus second or manslaughter, it's either all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Like a new example would be like the Kyle Rittenhouse case they were basically given jury instructions like you find him guilty for this or you don't kind of a deal but like they can set those parameters so sometimes when a not guilty verdict comes back and they're like well why didn't they find the person guilty of x y and z well they're not always allowed to adjust the charges if they want 
So I actually think that that's nice because it can be hard for a jury to find someone guilty of something without reasonable doubt and be comfortable with that. Whereas they might be more comfortable with manslaughter if they feel like it could be an accidental death or something or whatever. I think that you're more likely to convict when you add those parameters onto it. No, I totally agree. And I think it is interesting. I mean, like you were saying, I think a lot of times people think that law is so black and white, but there is a lot of gray area. And so mm-hmm. it does it does seem like a smarter choice if you want a conviction to give those options. Right. So the prosecution argued that even though Schmitz may have been embarrassed by the Jenny Jones taping, it didn't justify killing Amateur. <laughs> right. Shocker. Uh, Schmitz uh, drove to one store to purchase the shotgun and then drove to another for ammunition and then drove to Amateur's home before firing the fatal shots. So they basically said, listen, this demonstrates premeditation. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. To I, me. It definitely makes sense. I don't know if you've ever had this, but I've been like, okay, I've got to run to Target to buy formula. And then like next, I want to go get my car washed or something. And then after that, I'm going to grab like Starbucks. And at the end of it, I'm like, one of those things is going to go. This is too much stopping. Like and I give up, I won't Starbucks, even. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Okay, realistically, probably the car wash is going to be the thing that falls off. But like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know what, this is a lot of effort, just forget it. Where you could have at some point or another been like, what am I doing? Like you had to make multiple stops. Right. And it gives you like a chance to think, you know what I mean? About what you're Mm -hmm. doing as well. Because there had to be a decent amount of time that elapsed between those stops. Yeah. Well, and I wonder too, if it is a suburb or an outlier of Detroit, how much freaking traffic time did you have for these stops? Depending on where he was at. I mean, Lake Orion is pretty out there. It's not too bad. Oh, I mean, it's kind of pretty small. I mean, unless you're going to, there's, you know, like a strip mall that I can think of that's got like a super cuts and stuff in it. Like, I would think that's probably the most hip hop and happening like stretch of but if he went to you know I mean a lot of it is just like wooded like forest area one of my favorite metro parks is actually in Lake Orion and it's like a big nature preserve so see I didn't know that I just know where Legoland is that's Legoland is a probably about a 15 minute drive really in perspective yeah oh well dang we were right there. He was right there. He could have gone, chose to go kill somebody instead. <laughs> he could have went to Legoland to just calm down. He didn't. Yeah. So the prosecutors said that when Schmitz went to Amateur's mobile home, Smitch, or, <laughs> Smitz became violent. And they said that a police report indicating a chair that had been like overturned, like it had been thrown at the crime scene shows that Amateur was trying to defend himself. Like there was some kind of struggle. Right. Uh, The state also had an oral confession and a videotaped confession from Schmitz. But in a pretrial hearing, the judge ruled that both confessions were inadmissible because 
the oral confession was made without Schmitz being Mirandized and the videotape confession was made while his right to counsel was being violated so really drop the ball on that one guys have they not seen 21 drum street exactly like... this could have been easily avoided okay so schmitz's attorneys argued um the defense of diminished capacity basically they claimed that schmitz lacked the mental state required to have committed premeditated murder when he shot him wait because so he's saying he dumb that's their well listen so according to their theory schmitz simply snapped after finding the note on his doorstep um which they attributed to his graves disease which is a thyroid gland disorder that can cause irrational and violent behavior and then they also said that he had manic depression mm-hmm. katie's rolling her eyes just so you can't hear the eyes rolling but she's not buying it i'm <laughs> i feel so that like- was their stance you know whatever uh then they also got a deposition from Jenny Jones in December of 95. And she insisted that the show, which they never ended up airing, by the way, like Ooh, after this happened, burn on them. It, yeah, they I mean, they used clips from the show as um, evidence in the court proceedings, but it never aired on television. Uh, she said it had no connection to the shooting. She contended that Schmitz was told that his admirer could have been either male or female, though the defense claimed that the show's producers led Schmitz to believe that his secret admirer was a woman, as we kind of discussed previously. Okay. So my fun fact that I wanted to just sprinkle in here before we talk about um, what ended up happening with the charges this case was tried at the Oakland County Circuit Court, which is where my grandfather used to be a judge. So Ooh. this all went down in the same building that he used to I thought be. thought you were going to say your daughter was born at that building. No. Fun fact, <laughs> I was born at the college and my daughter was yeah. born on the steps of this courthouse. Ashpin was born in Waukesha. She's a Wisconsin girl. So <laughs> that's. That's wild to me because you're a Michigander. I'm a Wisconsinite, but my kids are Michiganders by birth. We really did just switch it up completely. So so. (laughs) on November 12th, 1996, the jury opted against the most serious charge. So they didn't charge him with first degree murder. They found him guilty of second degree murder and illegal possession of a firearm. Um, so they give him like Wait. a felony. Why did he have illegal possession of a firearm? Did he have a record? I'm not sure. They didn't explain. I'm not sure if, I mean, they never really said like where he purchased it or if he, yeah, like if he had some kind of a record. It didn't seem like it because they never brought up. I'm not sure if maybe like his mental illness played into it or you know, well, okay. like there was something to do with that, that he was not legally allowed to own a firearm or something. Okay. I fully support gun laws for people who have mental issues. They shouldn't have them. But yeah. if he went to a gun store and he legally purchased it, it doesn't even matter if he 
should not have had it. I feel like the burden lies on the people selling it because if a person is mentally unwell, how are they going to be mentally well enough to be like, hey, no, this isn't okay for you to have. And then the other part is like, well, I want it. Well, like they would have to be the person stopping themselves in that instance. I agree. I'm not sure, honestly, what the process for buying a gun looked like in the early 90s. I feel like it could have possibly been less regulated. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So that might have had something to do with it. Well, the, the problem is, is if you have something wrong with you that isn't documented. So like, if I'm just a psychopath, but I've never been in trouble for being a psychopath, essentially you can get through that process. But if you show up and you have like a PPO against you or something, you're not going to get a gun because you have that on your record. So I don't really, I mean, I guess in that time, like what are, I don't know. I don't know how they handled that then. I don't either. They didn't specify, but clearly they had enough information to charge him with that. Um, So he ended up receiving a 25 to 50 year sentence. And actually he was released from prison on parole in 2017 after serving 22 years behind bars and has lived, I guess, just like a low key private life since his release. And he turned 51 in July of 2021. Um, After the legal proceedings surrounding the murder were closed, the family of Amador hired lawyer Jeffrey Figer to sue the Jenny Jones show and Warner Brothers. So do you know who Jeffrey Figer is? Have you ever heard of him? Mm -mm. I would explain Jeffrey Figer as maybe like Michigan's Donald Trump, like take that however you want. Go Google a picture of this guy. We will put a picture up on Instagram. Resemblance is striking. The behaviors and characteristics also very similar. He is a wild dude. He's a lawyer. He was one of the lawyers in the um, Dr. Kevorkian case. That was like one of his big, yeah. He had so, the Bieber haircut before Biebs himself had it, it looks like. I'm not sure what's going on on his oh, head, but it, it's there. So uh, they hired Jeffrey Figer, and uh, Figer pushed Jenny Jones to admit that she humiliated Jonathan on national television without his permission and without considering his mental illnesses. And the jury awarded the amateur family close to $30 million. Um, but the Michigan Court of Appeals ended up overturning the award. So they didn't get the money. Uh, what did end up coming out of this, though, is there was a lot more responsibility put onto the talk shows like this and how they were screening guests that were going to be on these shows. So I guess that was good, but also sucks. I mean, to be honest, I'd probably be pretty pissed as the family if you thought you were going to get $30 million. And then it was just like, oh, no. I also got to imagine, I'm not sure how Jeffrey Figer got paid out of this, but he's not cheap. One of my aunts used to be a nanny for him. And 
he leads a pretty opulent lifestyle. So they, I'm sure still had to pay him. Yeah, but it's probably, at least if you're saying that he's similar to Donald Trump, it has to be at least in the realm of possibility that he took this case because it was so in everyone's eyesight and Jenny Jones was high profile. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they didn't have to pay him anything that his publicity was enough. I mean, I would hope so. Cause that would be really unfortunate for them. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this because I kind of think it's bull crap that this guy is going to be such a baby that he was so embarrassed because a gay person liked him and came out on the TV. Um, I feel like it's more embarrassing for the person that gets rejected. Yeah. I think that, okay, to preface everything, I don't think anybody should have gotten killed in this situation. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't think that it should have led to that by any means, okay. but I agree. I think that it was probably embarrassing for both sides. I think I can understand from Schmitz's side feeling embarrassed because you are a straight man and you think that you're going to meet a woman who's interested in you. So that's got to be like a letdown. And also, yeah, also being from a small town, I don't think that you want your name necessarily associated with anything gay if you're like that homophobic. Well, and especially I would say that the culture in Ligurian is probably not what I would imagine as being super welcoming to the gay community. It's probably better now, but it is, you know, it's just a rural yeah. community. Generally, yeah. a little bit more conservative. It just is yeah. what it is. So I could see him, you know, finding embarrassment in that and it being such a small town that it's probably you know, more, you're more recognizable. It's not like you're in like a big city. So like, let's play devil's advocate. What should Jenny Jones have done to make sure this didn't happen according to um, his family? Well, basically they uh, insinuated that they should take people's like mental states into account And they should have understood that he had been um, diagnosed with manic depression and not put him in that situation because it could trigger some kind of... Did he actually have a diagnosis of that or just the Graves' disease? It seemed like he had some kind of a diagnosis or some kind of psychiatric treatment at some point. Oh, because I was going to say, if someone says Graves' disease and you're like, oh, that's a thyroid thing... Mm-hmm. while it can result to mental concerns if a person says a thyroid issue you're not going to be like oh my gosh they're about to lose their shit <laughs> Let's- not at all that would not be my first I think though it's also I guess just like reality tv in general like these producers you're trying to push people to their limits you want that sensational dramatic moment and I don't think that they take into account that a lot of times you know like these people are humans they just are worried about ratings and making their bosses happy and so I think that that probably leads to some seedy situations yeah I mean I would assume so I guess I was under the impression and I don't know if this is true or not 
I had heard while I was going to like the Jerry Springer shows and stuff that they hire actors that like none of it is real. I mean, I could see that too. And I remember watching the show and being like, I think I saw this lady before and she was someone else on the other episode. But like, if it's similar to Jerry Springer, there's not like a continuous arc. It's like, just bring in people. And then just like Jenny Jones, apparently it is like, they just pull clips from a crap ton of recordings and then push them together into the episode where it's not like the same day recorded. And then there's a bunch of stuff that's left on the editing room floor. Yeah. So I guess I assumed that everyone was using fake stuff. And in all likelihood, it probably was sprinkled with that. I don't know. But regardless, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for another episode. We'll be back in a few days. Katie will be presenting another case for us. In the meantime, if you want to see photos of everybody involved in all of our episodes, head over to our Instagram. It's at Maniacally Midwest and check out our TikTok as well, which is also at Maniacally Midwest. And last but not least, if you have a chance to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we super appreciate it. And additionally, if you guys have any requests or ideas about cases that are near you or you want to hear more about, DM us because I feel like every week I've got like four that I'm like, what about this one? And then I'll like in researching find another one. So if someone has like a direction, tell me about this. It like can make things more clear because I get distracted. I'm like, where I'm like, what? This is also a cool one. And then I'll be like, oh shoot. I have finished none of them and I have seven started. So that's not good. All right. Well, have a good rest of the week, guys. Bye. Bye.